people deluded i'm back again welcome back to another edition of the deluded podcast the dg podcast the deluded podcast the really and truly podcast every day in the comments this podcast gets a new name from you guys it's the deluded podcast or better yet deluded podcast but nonetheless I don't really care what you nickname it as, just as long as you guys return. You know, good morning to those of you in the UK. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night, depending on where you are in this world and actually what time you're actually listening to this, people. And before I can continue, thank you, people. First and foremost, thank you very much for helping me reach 30,000 subscribers. But on the topic of the podcast, I get... Obviously... YouTube is my bread and butter. That's where, obviously, I'm doing my thing and, and whatnot. But I like to do the podcast. It's my favourite um, content I do because we speak about football more from a general point. It's the sort of content I would love to do more on, on, on a full-time basis. So I like to do the podcast. And I get a lot of messages from you guys, man. Like, the other day, I get a message from a guy saying, you know, these podcasts makes his 5am shifts go earlier and, and, and how he looks forward to it and a couple other messages like that. So it's nice to know that this isn't done in vain. So... In, in you know, I can never say thank you enough, people, no matter how many times I say it. Honestly, I'm not just providing lip service. I genuinely am very appreciative of the support you guys give me across everything I do. Thank you very much. Obviously, please make sure you're following me across Spotify and Apple so you don't miss any new episodes. You know, we typically do this on a Tuesday and a Friday. Couple of days of this podcast to, to last and then we go again on Friday, folks. Make sure you're following me across all the socials. Links are in the description. But anyways, people, it feels like it's been an eternity since I last done my last podcast, such as the turnaround in football. Saying that, you know, life, death, Taxes and Arsenal dropping points and conceding cheap goals is something we still saw. We saw Manchester City's streak of 21 games unbeaten finally come to an end and Oli Golasolsha's laughing. You know, Gareth Bale's been finding his feet in all competitions of recent and he continued it against Crystal Palace. And, you know, Bale and Kane linking up, Son and Kane linking up, you know, Moore are in the 10. I don't want to play the North London Derby next week. I'm not even going to cap. So Friday's edition when we'll cover the weekend's football to come is very scary, people. But in relation to the weekend that's just gone, um, let me run through the results with you guys. Starting with Saturday, as you lot saw, Brighton surrendered a lead and, you know, Leicester came back from behind to defeat them two goals to one. Lovely no-look pass there from, from Telemans for one for an assist, I believe, for Kelechi. But we'll get into it. As I was saying, people, let me stop rambling and just give you guys the results. Um, Brighton won, Leicester 2. Aston Villa and Wolves drew 0-0. Sheffield United lost 2-0 to Southampton. Arsenal and Burnley drew 1-1. Spurs 4, Crystal Palace 1. Manchester United 2, Manchester City 0. Liverpool 0, Fulham 1. West Bromwich Albion 0, Newcastle 0. West Ham 2, Leeds 0. The same scoreline is what Thomas Tuchel kept for his team as they defeated Everton in what I describe as the Carlo Ancelotti derby. Low-key, the Zuma derby sort of thing because I, 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 I just remember that this moment that Zuma actually played for Chelsea. Played played for Everton apologies um so yeah people you know it was a weird it was a, it's been a weird Premier League week you know it's been disappointing for Arsenal where it's concerned obviously Liverpool was that you know their last eight games at home have been terrible but their last six in six in particular you know I feel Fulham deserved a result like this because they've been playing well of recent and not got the change like I remember against Chelsea I think they had a man sent off at Craven Cottage I think they deserved to get three points but it weren't enough the same against Man United when United they gave United a good game at Craven Cottage and I think they deserved that sort of thing they deserve it and I'm sure you know we're all hoping Fulham I don't I listen 
I only support Arsenal Football Club and definitely this season I'm sour in it. There's no reasons to be happy as an Arsenal fan. So my sympathy for other people is 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 capped, but it's hard not to want Fulham to do well, you know. There's just something I like about Scott Parker. You know, he's got all the man them there at Fulham as well. You know, he's got Lookman, Loftus Cheek, couple other players there. You know, for me, very identifiable players. Bobby Reed, you know, one of the best players in the Premier League, Jamaican international, of course. You know, you want Fulham to stay up, and Newcastle are drawing themselves out um, and getting into a relegation race. And when you consider they dropped two points in their nil-nil game, Fulham, you know, one one nil. Again, I'm not too sure of the fixture list. But it's interesting to see. I think top four and relegation race, or let's just say European qualification and the relegation race, that's where the excitement's going to be this season, people. In my humble opinion. Like if I had to guess who's going down, I think Sheffield United definitely. I don't think West Bromwich Albion are gonna stay. I hope Fulham can get out of it, but right now I have Fulham to go down. Um Newcastle could get drawn in. I would I would love for Burnley to go down. I wouldn't mind Brighton going either. Um but it is what it is. Let's start with the action we saw. Well, in, in order of the games I've got on my notes here, people. Let's start with what I have to say about West Ham versus Leeds. Now, Declan Rice, you know, he's growing and gr he's always been a leader. But he's growing more into that leadership role. I was happy to see him speak about how, like, you know... He's not necessarily happy with all aspects of how West Ham played, despite the fact that they won 2-0. Obviously, he's got the captain's ban. He's going from strength to strength, uh, strength to strength. Apologies. He he spoke about it as well. I do think Declan Rice has a lot more technical level than people give him credit for. Like they just make out that he's what I call a piano pusher, a, a builder. Like you just slap him in midfield and run about and stuff. Primarily, he's there to win the ball back and whatnot, but he's tidy in possession. He's definitely got more all-round than people give him credit for, and it's just down to him to prove it. So when I'm hearing him talk about he's looking at Yaya Toure and Patrick Vieira, you know, I'm like, this is a man of the culture, people. And when you also consider, you know, Eddie Nketiah has always said how much Declan Rice loves Jalof Rice. I mean, Declan Rice is very cultured. I've got a lot of time for Rice. I would love him at Arsenal. He's someone that, for me, should be playing in the Euros, but I don't know Southgate's thinking. But that being said, you know, West Ham are doing their thing. I know a lot of people don't want to give David Moyes his credit and, you know, it's all about going on to finish this. But they're doing well across all aspects. They're playing well collectively. The tactics are there. People are standing out. They're getting good results. They've shown consistency because we're in March and they're still up there. You know, they're doing well collectively as a club and they're doing what they can to be in that top four race. Now, I think they're going to fall short um, of top four. But, you know, it could be a season to remember and I'm sure... West Ham, the minimum ambition is to qualify for Europe, so and they're doing well and, and things like that. So they won 2-0. I did think Leeds had a couple chances to get something out of the game. There was a couple times either team hit the poles, but Lee, I mean, West Ham did enough. I didn't think that was a penalty for, um, on Lingard for Luke Ayling, on Luke Ayling for Lingard. Uh, there is contact, but I can't lie. The game's gone mad, people, you know. Just because it's contact don't mean it's a foul. Is that a free kick outside the area? I don't think you get a free kick for that, you know. Lingard's very smart. There's contact. He makes a meal of it. But, I mean, come on now, man. The game's going mad, you know. I've seen worse things not given, you know. And it's, it's frustrating as an Arsenal fan, you know. The, the two are not the same. But is that, and I'm, and I'm going to get into Burnley, but is that more of a penalty than, than the handball at Burnley? Come on, mate. Like, some of the things I've seen not given penalties for, Lacazette and Martinez and Lacazette, you know, 
against Villa. Some of the things Arsenal have not been given penalties and teams in general have not been given penalties for. It's ridiculous, people. And I, I'm sorry, but I don't agree. I know there's contact, but I, I, the game's gone mad, people. You know, I might be sounding like I'm one of those back in the day folks, but I'm sorry, people. What? Come on now. Really? Shout out to West Ham. Shout out to Lingo. But really, penalty, really, people. I know by the letter of the game, it's a pen, but really, that's a pen. If that happens to your team, you're going to not be vexed. It is what it is. Now, you know, Lingard almost messed it up and he, he made sure he tucked in the rebound and obviously Craig Dawson cemented the, the win and shout out to Craig Dawson because, again, he's in my other FPL team, so he's doing dirt in that regards. You know, shout out to him because, again, you know, heroic off-the-line saves and things like that. He had a good game, people, and he's doing his thing. And when you look at it, no Premier League defender, people, has scored more goals in all comps this season than West Ham's very own Craig Dawson. He's actually level with four with Michael Keane, Kurt Zuma and John Stone. So these are all players, to be fair, they're all putting in balls in the back of the net. I don't know what... It's going on with the centre-halves association. I don't know what's in the water with these centre-halves, but they want to score goals. Jesse Lingard, new lease of life. Now, will he get into the Euros team? Again, you know, you look at him. Yes, he can play on the flanks, but you primarily have him as a creative player. Do I think he deserves to be there ahead of the likes of Phil Foden, Madison, Foden and Grealish? Of course not, people, but he's doing all he can to... to, to, to to have a problem and maybe something tells me one of Loftus-Cheek, Lingard, Delhi, Ross Barkley, one of these guys that it doesn't look like they're getting on that plane for the Euros is going to make it and to have half a chance you have to play decent and new lease of life for Jesse Lingard you know obviously the penalty was terrible let's be real but he slapped in the rebound and got away with it um, he scored four goals in six Premier League appearances for West Ham people that's as many as he had in 38 games now obviously I'm, I'm happy for Lingard as a neutral because you know, he's had a lot to deal with off the field. You know, he's looking after his his young sister, I believe. A couple family members, unfortunately, have been ill, you know, and he gets a lot of sticks. So I'm happy to see it again without knowing the ins and outs of his family. I hope they're all in good health and it's a point where he can just focus on football. He's at a team that's playing him. He's under a manager that trusts him. So, you know, he's going from strength to strength sort of thing. Um, only time will tell. I swear they actually haven't got him on permanent. It's on loan. I could be wrong, but, you know, he's doing all he can to become a permanent signing and I'm sure United will be all too happy to let my man go. Um, so, yeah, he's got four goals in his last six for West Ham. That's as many as he had in 38 for Manchester United. With that being said, as well, people, West Ham have won three consecutive home Premier League matches for the first time since March 2019. Also, you know, David Moyes has registered three victories in a row at home in the competition for the first time since he won his last six with Everton in 2013. You know, Leeds have a terrible tra time travelling to London, people. And for, for what's that said, you know, they lost to us. So that tells you everything. But Leeds have lost 13 of their last 14 games in London in all comps, people. You know, they lost they lost all five in the capital so far this season, people. So, it, you know, they don't travel well. And I, I, I must admit, Leeds looked like they had a couple of bells knocked out of them. They didn't play with the same zip. I felt Calvin, Calvin Phillips looked good, but... They didn't play with the same zip. Obviously, a couple of chances didn't go their way. Looked like they were overcomplicating things. You know, Bamford had a night to forget. You know, it was it just didn't happen for Leeds. And, you know, what can you say? Three points, clean sheet, two goals, still in the top four race. David Moyes is laughing. I'm sure you all saw West Bromwich Albion versus Newcastle. Wasn't the most glamorous of games. Obviously, I watched it because it's Maitland-Niles versus Joe Willock. Ultimately, it's nil-nil. Once again, Maitland-Niles' end product potentially let him down. Joel Willock's final ball needs to improve, but he did have a positive 20, um, first 20. 
All in all, it wasn't the most glamorous of games as you could expect and a point doesn't help either team. Like I said, Newcastle for the last couple of weeks now have slept, walked into the relegation battle. Um, West Brom obviously are trying to climb out of that. So a point is a point to fight, but it's not going to help any, anyone, especially when you consider Fulham, you know, I'd say that's result of the, that's result of the weekend, people. Fulham beating Liverpool. Obviously, it's not the Liverpool of last year, but even a betting man, well, to be fair, Liverpool haven't been able to buy a win, so I don't know on the bookies' odds, to be fair. But I'm sure a betting man probably would have put their life savings on Liverpool over Fulham and, you know, Fulham capitalised on a Mo Salah mistake in my opinion so it makes dropping points even more harmful people um, so yeah as I said you know West Ham 2 Leeds 0 um, West Bromwich Albion 0 Newcastle 0 unfortunately Burnley versus Arsenal ended in a draw a share of the spoils for both teams as I said earlier Burnley won Arsenal won now I'm trying not to go over the same things because I'm an obvious Arsenal fan I do hella YouTube content if you want the extended opinions you know me I'm more than happy to ramble on YouTube and things so go out and check that but it's more of the same old, same old. You know, the things I've probably... I know a lot of you watch my YouTube content. The things you've said, the things I've said. Is it any different to what we've been saying when we lose all the time? Like, this is no different from whenever we've dropped points, really. If we don't concede early goals, we concede cheap goals. We cannot manage a game for 90 minutes. It's another game where you can focus on letting ourselves down, being good for 20, being poor for 20. You know, we played well in patches. You know, towards the end of the game, we did put some moves together. We hit the post. We should have had a pen. But for me, I don't like to focus on these fine margins, on should Bakayo Saka or Aubameyang have scored? Should um, Pepe have scored? These are all things where, of course, they should have scored. But if I'm focusing on three chances, you know, considering we only hit the target three, three times, you know, and they had double figures for shots and I'm focusing on three incidences or where, where people should have done better, these are fine margins. We should have had a penalty. It obviously has factored into the game, but if I'm relying on three people missing tappings, and I'm relying on a penalty. I'm not disregarding them. I'm not saying accountability. But for me, I look at that as we haven't done everything we needed to do across 90 minutes. Because when I removed those incidences, did we defend as well as we could? Did we kill off the game when we could? No. You know, it was too good to be true. Arsenal took the lead early on because of Aubameyang. The first time he asked, you know, that that's the only positive. I feel Chambers, considering he ain't played in the league since 2019 or started since then, he looked good, you know. And, and the goal we scored, because again, we did break against the run of play. Obviously, Partey's primarily built that. Odegaard's made a run. Williams has done, done quite well in that regard. So obviously, Aubameyang's made it all. And it's poor keeping from Pope. You know, Pope's a good keeper, but I do think he does suspect things. You know, last week, twice in a week, he showed that. He kind of was at fault for me against Leicester. He's off his line for no reason. Beaten at his near post way too easily by Aubameyang. And, you know, that's the first sort of help. You didn't, we didn't test him. We didn't ask no real question he didn't make no save so when you're not shooting when you've got stupid individual mistakes like Jack Xhaka is doing when you can't defend and manage a game you're never going to be a good football inside you know we have improved in defense but how far does that go we've still got calamitous errors you know the man in the middle of the parks made two mistakes in recent weeks you know in in recent weeks you know what last week we saw three individual mistakes well in the last three games in all comps there's been three individual mistakes Xhaka against Leicester and Burnley Ceballos against against Benfica if we go back further, you know, how many ga games have we conceded cheap and early goals? If it's not cheap, it's early and vice versa, if not both. You know, Cedric, David Luiz, Granite, Xhaka, all of these guys. You know, whether it's somebody losing the ball or a sequence of play where people could do better, these are byproducts of what we're doing or a lack of. So how far can you really kick on when you've got these players, people? We're the architects of our own downfall. Should have killed the game in the first 10-20. You gave Burnley confidence. They rid their luck. 
at 1-0, they're always going to have half a chance. And when you're going to do what Granit Xhaka is going to do, you know, losing the ball aimlessly, I think he could have learned a thing or two watching Chelsea last night, you know, because you're actually seeing Jorginho and Kovacic pick up the ball in the very same positions. The difference is they, they actually look over their shoulders and they know if they have one touch or two touch. I always say the best midfielders do things in less touches. Xhaka takes forever on the ball. That tells you everything. And... Next season, I assume Arteta is still going to be here. I want to know where he stands with with Xhaka because on one hand, I think, you know, a lot of the players he's using is because he has no choice for obvious reasons. But on the other hand, he's chosen to use William. He chooses to lose Bellerin, who has no relevance to this, but proving a point. He's choosing to use Xhaka. You know, Xhaka could have been out of the club. He chose to reintegrate Xhaka and make him central to his plans. And Xhaka, on the large part, has played well. But this is where I go. When you've got um, Cedric... Um, Bellerin, David Luiz, Xhaka, all of these guys, they're going to play well for three, four games and they're going to let you down in three, four games time. They're fundamentally never going to change no matter how much you, you, you think you've improved them. They're always going to let you down and Xhaka's done it twice in a week now so that tells you everything. So now I'm beginning to look at Arteta. I, I'm not really fussed about stuff because William based on how he played against Leicester I guess deserved to start but I don't understand why Pepe and Lacazette didn't start. You instantly saw them add something to the team Quite concerned with Odegaard, you know, he's fitted in well, he's technically good. I don't think we was trying to find him on the field against Burnley, but he does hide. You know, I've previously said the, the biggest compliment and biggest criticism I can give him is he looks like an Arsenal player. I think it's a mentality thing. You know, I'm at the point now where obviously I want players with technical ability, but I think we've got to look at the mentality first because Xhaka can play football. The mentality is not there. He makes the same mistake. Odegaard hiding. Only a couple of these players want it. And you can see the imbalances in our team. You know, Odegaard's having to come ridiculously deep. You know, Aubameyang's isolated. And, and again, I think we was trying, we was doing that too often into the channels. Burnley were clocking it. And again, I, listen, I think Leno and Xhaka have a part to play in the goal we conceded. Leno doesn't play him that pass. I'm not sitting here and saying this to you, but at the same time, Xhaka is called for it. We are playing out from the back. You as a midfielder should know how much time you have on the ball. You've got to do that in one touch. If not, your first touch has to be amazing. First touch is shit. Pardon my language. Right foot, nonchalantly not looking, gifted a goal. And this is Granite Xhaka all over. You can show me all the heat maps, all these things, but these guys will let you down when it's crunch time. You know, we keep, we've got too many players where form, you know, form sways opinion. And, you know, Xhaka's been here for a minute now, to put it nicely, under several managers. And he's played under all of them, which credit to him. But if we have to debate if players are good or not, I'm not saying we shouldn't, but on another hand, you've got to look at it and say, maybe that's that. So, again, you know, and again, it's no coincidence. You don't shoot, you don't score. We didn't test Nick Pope. We're not testing keepers, in my opinion. And we deserve to drop two points because you didn't do anything. And like I said... I don't, it's like when, when, you know, before it went down the toilet against Wolves or whatever, as Arsenal fans, we always focus on a positive or a negative 20 minute stage or whatever in the game. The game's played for 90 minutes, people. It's what people fail to understand. And what I don't like is my manager coming out and focusing on the penalty incident. I'm not saying don't be vocal about it because it's, a, it's, an, it's an atrocity. But why are we focusing on that and not the fact that we didn't kill off the game, you know? These things are a byproduct, and I think the next season will be Arteta's season. Where if, if it's like this, where we sit tenth, eleven wins, eleven losses, he'll be clipped. But you know, it's concerning because I do. I would rather Arteta have new players than a new manager with, with these same players. But at the same time, Arteta hasn't shown me anything really to say. Once you get these new players, you know the system that you're trying to do with these players will be reworked because they're not cut to task. So we'll have to see people. 
where the arch, you know, where the where the de- the live, living, breathing definition of self harm, self destructing, self combustion. We are our own worst enemies. This is why Arsenal are not in a top four race for obvious reasons. You know, we again, we might not have the best depth or the best eleven out of everyone competing, but people are, around us are outperforming us. And either way, if some buts, if we didn't lose this game and that game, we'd be closer. The facts are, we haven't. You know, because these players have an inability to manage games well. They cannot go into twelve thirty kicking off the Premier League week knowing what happens. They cannot go into a game evening on Sunday on the weekend knowing what happens. These players haven't got the bottle. They do a lot of lip service, and a lot of them have been round the block. A lot of them have been on this same side. A lot of this. What, what is any different from like, this season from last season? Some of these lot have been part of this. Is it not? Is it not horrible to be? questioned as a footballer as an athlete and as a man when they look at your pride to know that you know when you mention Arsenal sadly you mention embarrassment and nine times out of ten you know Xhaka Bellerin David Luiz Bellerin and David Luiz you know David Luiz was cool on the weekend Bellerin played no part I'm just painting a picture William you lot are in you lot are, well William's just signed you lot are joke men you lot are in, attributed with failure does that not keep you up at night I have to say no because you lot don't put it right at some point, mistakes become choices. We're choosing to do these things. And Xhaka sum, sums up how mediocre Arsenal are. Xhaka is a very good footballer. Technically, he's got an eye for a ball and things like that. He can do all of that. But he's not smart upstairs. He's not street smart. He needs too much time on the ball. And mentality is not there. You know, yes, he, he doesn't take nothing. He's tough and, and all of that. But the mentality to go into an away game and not mess up, especially considering you messed up last week, is a problem. And when Xhaka's a leader of your team, when Xhaka's playing all the time, this tells you where we're at as with, with the manager. And for Arteta, it's a bit concerning. There isn't much he can do this season. But, you know, you've made Xhaka your guy and made him an element of importance. You're, you know, you sing from the rooftops when he plays well. You don't call things as they are. And I will say once again, we've, we, we didn't get a result. Only certain players are talking to the media. When we win, certain players are talking to the media. Certain players are doing chatty fingers in that. Bunch of pretenders, people. Absolute bunch of pretenders. Sorry, people. I need a sip of this green tea. But as you look and see here, people, since August 2017... Well, you can't see here, but... Since August 2017 in the Premier League, Arsenal have conceded the most penalties, had the most errors leading to goal. We've conceded 23 penalties, 35 errors leading to goal. Most red cards with 14. Nine of those have been under Mikel Arteta. And obviously this season, people, 2020-21, we've, we've got the joint most home goals, people. So again, you cannot improve. And as much as people talk in improvement, I don't see us among... We're, we're like 11th for shots. We're like 11th for shots outside the area and inside the area. You know, we're 5th for passes. So we're not doing anything with possession. We're not scoring. We can't keep out shots. You know, you're struggling to see what the DNA is. And the players aren't good enough. But at the same time, Mikel Arteta has been here for a hot moment. And I don't really see the DNA. I see what he's trying to do. But it should be along a bit more. I wanted it to be a thing where I could evidently see a system. And um, to a degree, it is this. Players are letting you down. And you could say, OK, cool. You get a, let's say, say a right back. You can overlap. I see what you're on. Centre half, this and that. And a lot of that's true. But I don't think it's as white and black as as simple as he gets new players, we improve. I don't because I'm not seeing enough. And the players you've got on one hand, you know, you're only as good as your tools. But on the other hand, a good tradesman maximises his tools. As and, and don't get it twisted, these tools, you know, it almost feels like he's expected to 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 to, to dig a grave with a with a plastic spoon at some of the to 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 highlight the incompetency of some of these players. But um, yeah, you've got to get more out of them. And for me, I look at it, you know, your trust. Bellerin didn't play once again, but you're putting your trust in Bellerin. You've put your trust in Xhaka. You. Put your trust in Williams. So on one hand, yes, 
it isn't, you know, he has to use what he has. But you're choosing to do these things, you know. You stepped into this role. So, at one hand, I, I have to attribute some blame to you. And I can't just sit here and say we're 10th with 11 wins and 11 losses just because of the players, you know. We win, lose or draw together. It's, it's a byproduct as well of what the manager is doing or isn't doing, you know. It is what it is in that regard. Burnley have drawn five consecutive home league games for the third time in their history, people. Um, they did so in April 1936 and also um, in 1997, October of that year. As I said, since the start of 2016-17, Granite Xhaka has made more errors leading to goals than any other outfield player in the Premier League with eight. That tells you everything. And for me, that tells you some, you know, some of those things haven't necessarily been Xhaka's fault. But this tells you what, you know, he can't look at. He has no self-awareness. He cannot look into his own game. He keeps doing these things. You know, you're choosing not to learn or you've got a manager doubling down on your thing. Now, we know playing out from the back, these things are going to happen, but they're happening more often than not. Xhaka has done it eight times. That tells you cannot be relied upon. That tells you he's got no self-awareness because you would kind of rein it in sort of thing. So it is what it is. When guys like that are your, are your main players, it's going to tell you everything. Um, you know, Aubameyang scored an own goal. at. Um, did he score an own goal via the set piece last year? He, I think he did. Um, he did, but he got on the score sheet against them in the away leg, people. He has scored more Premier League goals against Burnley than against any other side, people, with eight. Only against Hamburg. With nine, um, has he netted more league goals uh, um, against a team in the top five divisions? Um, Bakayo Saka, people. Only Cesc Fabregas at 18 years of age and 23 days, um, 236, sorry, people. I don't know what I was reading there. Has um, has 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 reached 50 Premier League appearances for Arsenal at a younger age than Bakayo Saka, who is 19 and 182 days. Sorry, I meant to say 50 Premier League appearances. I think overall he's got 70-something. I think it's, it's 77 or something like that. You know, you'd back him to close in on 100 very quickly. Um, to, to For, for what that's being said, I think Maitland Niles made his 100th, 100th career um, game the other day as well and at 23. So that tells you just how much Bakal Saka is rising. You know, when you look at Smith-Rowe and William, I think it highlights the lack of creativity in, in, in our team, but highlights the lack of coaching because william has been very inconsistent. Smith-Rowe's been in the first team like that two seconds. And for William, where William's involved people, William has more Premier League assists than any other Arsenal player this season with five. Um, and a lot of that has been stat padding in recent weeks. So that tells you everything, people. Absolutely crazy, but less about Arsenal. They're not worth any more of my time, really, and truly in that regards. Sheffield United um, obviously played against Southampton, people. What a game that what a game that was. Obviously, you saw Sheffield United defeated two goals to nil by Southampton. James Wood Prowse obviously stepped up from the spot after former Arsenal man Nathan Teller was brought down by Chelsea Loney Amanfadu. You know, obviously Che Adams, who typically gets into goal scoring opportunities and doesn't score, then finally got on the score sheet and bagged against his former team, which he does quite frequently. He's actually scored four goals in his four Premier League appearances against Sheffield United people. That's actually accounted for 44% of his total goals in the competition, people. Um, James Wood-Prowse, another one that I think will fall short of getting called up for England, but deserves it on merit, um, has scored seven goals in all comps this season. That's his joint best return in a single campaign for Southampton. Six of those, six, sorry, of those seven goals have come from dead ball situations. He's only scored one penalty though, people. And the other five um, have been, to make up the six, obviously, have been via free kicks. 
you know, one of the best free kick takers that I've ever seen in the league. Specific attribute free kick taking. He's definitely one of the best the league has seen. Um, Aston Villa and Wolves drew nil-nil. You know, it was a bit of a non-fixture non in my opinion. Sice missed the tapping. Don't really want to spend much talking on nil-nils really and truly, to be honest with you. Um, Brighton surrendered a lead and let Leicester come from behind to defeat them. Obviously, you know... Where do we start, man? You're seeing no-look passes from Telemans. Kelechi Iheanacho getting on the score sheet again. You know, it is what it is. It is what it is. I think Iheanacho looked very good. He worked hard. You know, unlikely goal scorer in Daniel Amati, people. That was his first in the Premier League since December 2016 against Stoke, which was 1,540 days ago. As for Lallana, his strike, his strike for Brighton against Leicester was his first strike in 32 Premier League appearances since netting against Manchester United for Liverpool. Um, um, in in 2019, so two years ago, um, in that regards, people. Again, moving away from that, yesterday saw Chelsea defeat Everton two goals to nil in the Carlo Ancelotti um derby. What's that? What, what, what's that, people? Eleven games undefeated for Thomas Tuchel. He's gone against, you know, he's gone against big teams now and done what he needed to do. You know, he, he he's gone what three three four points clear of Everton. He's taken three points off them. They've got a clean sheet. They keep their run and momentum going. It's going from good to better for Thomas Tuchel and his men. You know, I think Kurt Zuma improved as the game went on. It initially looked a bit awkward in that back three on the left hand side and kept going backwards. I did a watch along and I'm sure a lot of you were there. I was saying he needs to play it forward and he him playing it forward a couple of times eventually led to Callum Hudson-Odoi being involved in which led to the first goal on that you know I'm happy to see Callum Hudson-Odoi playing um, playing and playing well you know he's been playing fullback he obviously for me excelled on the left wing you know I couldn't believe how many times Everton were just letting a right footer on the left hand side come inside onto his favourite foot but you know Callum hudson was my man of the match. You know, everyone at Chelsea played well, but I think, Cal on, you know, Callum was different gravy. I think Christensen was different gravy as well. I actually think Havertz in that false nine worked very hard, people. You know, obviously... Um, unfortunate not to get a goal marked off for off well for handball and things like that and um, that's the thing I think he made positive runs beyond the first ma beyond the last man and I think Everton especially in the second half stopped following their runners and they really dropped into old habits you know I was seeing League One defending from someone who I rate highly in bed Godfrey Holgate and the rest of them even though Pickford conceded a penalty which ironically that penalty came because it came after what I'm talking about what led to the handball handball which Havertz goal was left was ruled out they're not picking up runners Havertz's movement was spot on and he's earned that penalty you know Pickford couldn't do anything command them are not following their runners I actually I'm a harsh critic of Pickford I think you know the penalty is what it is but he bailed them out it could have been 3-4 at times Pickford bailed them out there was one time in the second half who had the shot it might have been Werner couldn't believe Ben Godfrey you know you know body positioning terrible you know there was one incident Mason Mount was just given the freedom of the city I know what they're playing at Stamford Bridge but Carlo Ancelotti would not be happy for Everton you know you want to get top four you have to go into games like this and put in a performance and it is, well, it is. I don't feel it was enough, people. I feel the only time, really, they looked into it was the last 20 minutes of the first half, in which they obviously ended up conceding. I think, other than that, I feel at a push, you know, Tuchel would probably say, yo, we need to probably test Pickford a bit more and probably shoot and score a bit more from open play. One of the goals came via a set piece, of course. Um, but other than that, Chelsea were perfect, you know, Kovacic, Baller, to, you know, balled out. I always tell you, like, I rate that, guys. Jorginho balling out, obviously scored the penalty. Um, 
you know, good performance. And again, for Everton, if you can't follow runners, especially against a team like Chelsea, it's going to look mad. And I think it's very telling that I think Bernard looked poor for Everton off the bench. But I think Tom Davis and Josh King, probably two of Everton's best players, and they come off the bench, you know. Davis more so in an attacking sense. So that tells you everything, people. You know, the amount of errors I was seeing from Everton in the second half was poor. And you can't help but admire Chelsea. You know, the system, the back three, the, the, the collective ethos by the team, the individual roles players are given, the way he's utilising the squad. You know, many conclusions were drawn on Mason Mount, on, on Kante and all of these things. I only The only player I think at Chelsea who might be in trouble is Tammy Abraham. Now, I know Tammy Abraham missed out because of a slight knock, but it just feels to me as an outsider looking in Thomas Tuchel just doesn't fancy Tammy Abraham but that's neither for this game Richarlison's decision making was quite poor I actually feel Everton in the final third were very poor you know they're struggling to play five yard passage Sigurdsson as well it was terrible I think they missed the core um, but it is what it is I said like I said at the start if Tuchel, Thomas Tuchel was probably looking at that game again, he'd probably say, listen, first 20 minutes, we could have killed that game. But other than that, it's a perfect performance. You know, since Thomas has taken over in, in, in charge of Chelsea, no goalkeeper playing for a top five European league side has kept more clean sheets in all comps than Mendy with seven. On that as well, the Chelsea boss has become the first manager in the Premier League. In fact, in Premier League history, to see his side keep a clean sheet in each of his five, first five, sorry, um, home games in charge in the competition. Only Sarri with 12 games in 2018-19 and Frank Clark with 11 games for Nottingham Forest in 94-95 have begun their Premier League managerial careers with a longer unbeaten run than Chelsea's Thomas Tuchel, drawing three, winning six and obviously playing nine. Everton have scored 53 own goals, people in the Premier League, seven more than any other side in competition's history. Obviously, you know, it was it was very unfortunate. It, it was a good move from Chelsea, which led, led to Ben Godfrey's own goal. Again, Everton not picking up runners. I did think Everton looked lethargic. True say there's been a lot of games they've played, but yeah, man, they, they engineered their own mistakes, man, really and truly, you know. The both, both them goals were self-inflicted. You handed them on a plate. Everton have scored 53 on goals in the Premier League. That's seven more than any side in the competition's history. Um, I think Reese James had a better second half. Like I said, I think Havertz looked good in that false nine. I don't know if that's going to be him long term because, you know, there's a lot of players in the modern day which obviously they can play here, there and everywhere. And you look at Havertz, he can play as a false nine and he worked very well there. You still need to be able to get goals. Um, you know, he's for me, he's probably more comfortable behind the striker in a 10. He can play on either flanks what you want to see is him you know significant solidify one position and then be utilized elsewhere um but he looked good in the false nine in my opinion you know he, he deserved a bit more change i definitely feel he was more in the game than Werner. it's just not going happening for Werner, is it really and truly i think he was quite anonymous and you know i think callum odson has given Thomas Tuchel a decision to make. You know, do you go with Havertz as this false nine in the next game, Callum Hudson-Odoi, and do whatever on the right? It's up to them, people. Um, Havertz had a solid game against Everton in that false nine. I thought Marcus Alonso did as well. He created more chances than any other player against Everton, people. He also had more shots on target than the whole Everton side combined. Um Mason Mount was on the pitch for 30 seconds really after coming on the 66th minute but he made more tackles than any other player for Chelsea against Everton so solid win like I said three points clean sheet um, ground off Everton and they move away from their rivals so Chelsea are doing what they have to do I said right now I think Chelsea are going to get second in my opinion saying that though you cannot rule out Manchester United people for not, not, for, not for a second 
And on that, in that regards as well, people, Manchester United, you know, I told you lot, don't rule out United for this game, you know, such is the balance of life. Obviously, City have won the war, they're going to finish ahead of, of ahead of United, but I knew Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had something up his sleeve and I was very impressed with Manchester United in that regards. Going into the game, you know they're going to have to concede the lion's share, you know, and have to, you know, remain pending, have men behind the ball. And they had a lot of that. I think first, you know, they looked a bit timid at times, but I think they, you know, their game plan was spot on. They defended well. I think they actually broke well and maybe even should be a bit disappointed they didn't score more or take more chances. And I think it was really encouraging whenever, whether it was Martial or Shaw, you could hear, I assume Oli Gullish Solskjaer or whoever it was from United saying forward forward and United were breaking in numbers I think they worked they did a real good game plan they you know they started for, um, fast either side of the half you know yeah they got a bit of luck with the penalty you know it's not a it's not a Manchester United game if they don't get a penalty but it is where it is you know Gab Jesus was being silly. They got a pen. Bruno stepped up. I think Luke Shaw deserved his goal because he's been working hard all season and he's one of those players I'm sure United fans and football fans in general made their minds up on. And, you know, I think he's been working hard in silence and stuff and he's been playing well. He deserved that goal. Deserved to go off in the Euros. I think collectively the game plan from United was good. You know, I think City players were poor. You know, Gundogan was quite anonymous. You know, they're missing tappings as well. You know, Sterling versus Wambasaka was a good battle. Wambasaka won it. I think Dean Henderson, you know, he's got an opportunity now to make sure when De Gea returns that he don't get that shirt back. And I think based on that game, he did. You're seeing him time waste. You know, technically he was in, technically he got an assist for sure. Forgive me if I'm wrong. And he made some big saves and whatnot. Kevin weren't at his best, but obviously he created eight chances, people. That's the joint most by a player in a Premier League game against United since 2003-04. Uh, Martial, for me, had a very good game, but I can't lie. 67th minute, how he didn't score, I don't know, but that's how Martial's got to be every game. You know, sometimes he doesn't look like he's at it, and I must admit, you know what, Martial's 25-26. It's not that it's now or never, but come on now, mate. you got to keep doing that. But like I said, United were perfect, you know, and this is why I'm, this is what I mean by you've got to play the occasion and not the team. And a couple of times when you've when United have played big games, it's, there's no secret how woeful typically United have been in big games, you know, lack of goals, playing well, winning and stuff. You've heard Luke Shaw, ironically, Ole Gullosolsha, ironically, Bruno kind of say, we wish we'd done a bit more. We wish we did this and we wish we did that. So, you know, they did what they needed to do. Above all, it's a confidence booster because at the end of the day, you know, I think it's very unlikely City are going to relinquish top spot. But as long as you keep chasing, it is what it is. And United, United shouldn't, United should believe, whether they're in it or not, they should believe they're in a title race because that will, will indirectly, subconsciously, get out any sort of complacency. It's like Arsenal. Arsenal are not getting fourth people. But I want my players to believe they can because I don't want complacency. We're in March. Shouldn't be writing off nothing sort of thing. United were quality. Man to a man, they were quality. They did their thing. You know, deserved their three points. For, for, for City, you know, the 21 unbeaten run was always going to come to an end at some point. Sure, you didn't want it against Man United, but it is where it is. You live to fight another day. You know, you lost the battle, but based on where it's going right now, you know, you're still winning the war. Manchester is still a bit blue. I'm just saying that to annoy my Manchester United friends who listen to my podcast. Big up yourself, man. I, I'm just trying to pee you off. But um, statistically, people, Manchester City were beaten for the first time since November 2020 where they lost 2-0 at Spurs that ended a run of 28 games without defeat across all comps and I think 21 in the league on that Oli is the first manager in Manchester United history to win each of his first two 
to win each of his first three, sorry, away meetings in all competitions with Man City. So he's got their number. Among the 67 managers, Pep Guardiola has faced more than three times across all competitions as a top flight top, top flight boss. Apologies. Ole Gola Solskjaer is the only manager to have beaten the Spaniard more often than he has lost to Guardiola with three. Manchester City trailed by more than one goal in a Premier League home game for the first time since September 2020, where that happened against Leicester. They've also conceded as many goals in the game against United as they did in their last previous eight. And I believe that's the first time John Stones and Diaz, who started as a partnership and have lost. And Bruno Fernandes, big up to him for my FPL team and scoring. After, it weren't the best of penalties, but it doesn't matter. After 101 seconds, Bruno Fernandes' penalty is the earliest goal that Manchester City have ever conceded in a league match at the Etihad. And it's the first time they have conceded within the first two minutes at home since, since Steed Mel Bronk. I know a lot of you, you know, Spurs and Fulham man will remember that um, at Main Road in January 20, 2003. Apologies so at their old stadium, people. Pardon me, you know, when you look at Bruno Fernandes' away record in the Premier League, it's quite mad, people. 22 games played, 14 wins, 14 goals, 7 assists and 0 defeats. My man is coming like the Undertaker at WrestleMania. Crazy, you know. Bit of Luke Shaw propaganda because he deserves it. When you look at his game by numbers, 49 touches, 100% shot accuracy. I mean, he must have had about two shots. Ironically, before he actually scored, he, I feel he had a good opportunity to actually make it 2-0 for Man United. He had nine ball recoveries, four penalty area entrance entrances. You know, some of these stats are just there for decoration. I feel three touches in the up box, three crosses, two shots, one block, one tackle made, one clean sheet, one goal scored. He definitely made more than one tackle. So I don't know what defines these stats, but it's propaganda. Martial by numbers, people, he should have scored, but he had 42 touches and 95% pass accuracy, won six of his duels, had only four touches in the opposition box, though, took on three people, three shots, two shots on target, won two fouls, two ball recoveries and one chance created. Now, big up Edison for the save, but again... Martial's got to tuck certain chances away. I think he should have scored in that game. Dean Henderson made six saves against Man City. That's the joint most he's made in a Premier League game, you know. Um, also, I forgot, I, I forgot I forgot to mention Luke Shaw scored his first away goal in the Premier League, people. Aaron Wambasaka made made more interceptions than any other player on the pitch during the Manchester derby with five. And no Manchester United player made more tackles with three. I would love to know what they define as tackles, you know, because definitely Wambasaka definitely made more than three tackles. Him and Sterling had a good little contest. Sterling's gone 23 games, I believe, without backing against um, against United. And the, 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 the curse continues in that regards now moving away from that like I said you know Chelsea been doing their thing United been doing their thing sadly Arsenal have not been doing their thing Fulham big result in the weekend people big result Fulham won Liverpool nil Liverpool nil Fulham won another game at Anfield another bit of misery and Klopp, I back Klopp to, to turn it around. I, Klopp, I, I back Klopp to reinvent it. How much reinventing can he do without reinvestment? Clearly, you need some centre midfielders that give you something different. I believe you need a striker. I think they need a bit more quality in depth because it's outside of their strongest 11, you know, they ain't really got options. Like I said, you know, I'm sure Rigi's a cult hero. He's not going to take them forward. And this has been coming. You can't escape cycles. Liverpool have not built upon it. You know, your Liverpool fans used to get at me and say, oh, we got this, we got that, we don't. Klopp been knowing this because he tried to get Fikir. For whatever reason, Werner didn't land. You're always linked with Haaland and Mbappe. So clearly you're looking for people that can shake things up. You've brought in Thiago, you know. 
there, of course, injuries has been a, pro- a, a problem, people. But there's issues there, you know. You look at it, Liverpool, six defeats in a row at Anfield now. They're now winless in their last eight home league games, people. That's disgraceful for a club like Liverpool. Definitely the Liverpool of recent, you know. They've lost six and drawn two, you know. The only time they had a longer winless run in the top flight, um, I wasn't even alive. It's in October 1951 and also again in March 1952, people. Klopp made seven changes um, that afternoon for Liverpool. The last time um, he made he made more between Premier League games was in 2015-16. Um, Liverpool have won their last three games, league games when Klopp has made at least seven changes, so it wasn't meant to happen. Fulham's 1-0 win at Anfield was only the fifth time in Premier League history a newly promoted side has beaten the reigning champions away from home. Fulham was the first side to do so since Bournemouth actually beat Chelsea 1-0 back in 2015. Um it's all going down the toilet for for Liverpool and this is why you need to reinvent and I do think they'll be back again. I think they needed this because again, you know, they haven't really had any adverse, not that they ain't had adversity, they ain't really had a bad season in recent, you know, and again, it's going to happen. There clearly was an air of complacency because the owners didn't invest significantly. Yeah, you brought in Thiago, yes, COVID is playing a part, but this is what happens when you don't build on a Premier League winning team. You overestimate people's importance and this is what happens. And also, the sheer amount of games Liverpool have been playing up and down for years, it was always meant to catch up and, you know, it's, it's a bit sad because everybody's really struggling. You know, Mane ain't really playing to the Mane level. Salah is still scoring, but he's still not doing his thing. Firmino, again, when Firmino's not scoring and not creating to the level he can, it's irrelevant. And when you look at them, they need to shake things up. I'm not saying sell, but a lot of their, a lot of Liverpool screams present to me. You know, Salah, Mane, Firmino, they're very present. They've got to change things up in a degree, or or get or or or, or bring in someone that can be long term part of that front three, or give them a different option. I think there's the Liverpool squad just stinks of complacency, as well as the obvious injuries and all of these. I also think people have clocked what Liverpool want to do because Liverpool do knock the ball around quite well. It's just, they're doing what Arsenal do. I can only, you know, in a sense of they're passing it sideways that nobody's really shooting. You know, it don't really look like they have an idea and Pep's got, I mean, Klopp's got to arrest that. Again, I think they'll go again next year but you must admit, you know, Liverpool, there is a, I, I've, I think Liverpool can still get top four but there is a reality in which they don't because if I'm looking at it right now, you know, I back I back Chelsea to get second. So I said not that I want them to, but I think Chelsea will be there, City will be there. I personally think United is gonna be there. So that's one spot. And I look at it, I see Everton, you know, they're doing their thing. West Ham are watching developments closely, Leicester the same, you know, Bale, Kane, Son, they're scoring goals, you know, Spurs are kind of hitting the right bit of form now. Again, you never know what can that, that can do for them and and things like that. So it could get peak for Liverpool, you know. It could get peak and it would be a woeful defence of a league title like with City yesterday, last season, people. You know, Liverpool have been doing a madness, really. When you exclude penalties and own goals, Liverpool have failed to score with each of their last 99 shots at Anfield in the Premier League, people. What does that tell you? There's no ideas. Nobody knows what they're doing and they're easy to read. You know Trent's going to cross it. You know Robertson's going to cross it. You know, the goal that they obviously conceded, you know, with Lemayna scoring, you know, it's too slack by Salah to get dispossessed there. But, you know, they never look like scoring. It's quite boring watching Liverpool now. I'm not going to sit here and, and cap to you lot, people. I can't believe what I'm seeing really and truly. 
But who cares? I'm an Arsenal fan and we're doing quite poor this season. I've got no sympathy for nobody. Finally, it kills me to say this. I was back in Palace, but you have to admire how Spurs played. Gareth Bale running riot, scoring two goals. The Sun is now back doing his thing for Spurs and he's now looking like the player that they thought they was getting from Madrid. And considering this North London derby... Boy, you know the script. Also, on top of that, you know, Kane, if he's not scoring, he's assisting like you saw. Son, you know, he doesn't want Bale and Kane to become a new romance, so he's involved. Mora looked good in that 10. You know, their fullbacks, Regula, looked good. Even Doherty looked good going forward, you know. The only criticism of Spurs' 4-1 victory over Palace is they switched off towards the end of the first half and did concede an equaliser before, obviously, they ran riot. Some of the moves they put together were very good from left to right, you know, definitely... One one goal for Kane and one goal for Bell. I'd say the moves that led to them were... All the moves were good, but were sat in different class. Obviously, Kane scored that good goal. I th- I, I'm not going to lie. On popular opinion, I think the keeper's positioning is poor. I don't think you should be letting that in. It's a fantastic strike from Kane. But the keeper's, you know, contributed to that. Because you could see it before Kane actually gets into that area. You know, what can you say? Spurs scored four goals. You know, people always say Jose's negative. I'm not saying you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong. But Spurs have what? They, you know, all their front three got on the, well, all their front three had a front four, if you include more in that 10, had something to say with the goals. They played positive football. You know what? They've scored 100 goals. Of, I think they hit 100 goal mark for the campaign. I believe I could, I could be wrong in that regards, people. You know, I could be wrong, but they hit 100 goals for Sutton. So that tells you they're doing all right, really and truly. You know, Son and Kane have made history as well, people, because they've now assisted one another for 14 Premier League goals this season. That has broken Alan Shearer and Chris Sutton's all-time record of 13 people which was in 94-95 which again you know that was there for 25 years my whole life really so that's amazing Kane is the first Spurs player to score 2 plus and assist 2 plus in a single game since Jurgen Klinsmann did so in 1998 Spurs fans bit of trivia who did he do that against and how many goals and assists did he get against this said team I'll give you one clue the team begins with a W Wimbledon he got four goals and two assists. Big up to you lot if you got it right. If you didn't and you're looking on Google, I can see you. Moving away from that, Harry Kane's second goal was Spurs' 100th goal in all competitions this season. They've become the second club in Europe's top five leagues to reach that tally in 2021 after Bayern Munich. So yeah, you could call jo- Jose Mourinho defensive, but that, that speaks for itself. Now, obviously, you could discount them. You know, they've played a, a lot of crap sides in the Europa League and they've played, they've, they've really been given a fair draw in the FA cup but that's a a handful of games they're scoring goals you know Harry Kane's been directly involved in 39 goals in 36 games in all comps this season 16 assists and 23 goals the most of any player for any Premier League club and the man's a demon in that regards bro Harry Kane's fake in that regards you know if he don't score he assists and he does things you know he's 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 a complete striker I think, he, you know, a lot of people say, is he going to leave Spurs? Is he not? You know, maybe he will, maybe he won't. I can't see it happening. Um, not not through lack of ability. Of course, I could see a future of United, City, all these teams, PSG, all being interested in him. But when I can you talk about COVID, one thing I think goes against Kane is that, you know, if you're looking for strikers at this moment in time, you know, how much is Kane going for? Again, COVID might play a part, but I'd say you need to at least offer... 100 million or something around there to at least tempt that De- Daniel Levy. The problem for Kane right now is if you're going to do that, people are probably saying, you know what, if I've got peace for that, not that Kane hasn't got longevity because he's not the oldest, but I might as well, you know, 
see what I can do for Mbappe, see what I can do for Haaland, you know. People might even... I'd rather get Kane than Aguero on the base of longevity, but Sergio Aguero is going to be a free transfer. Someone might even say it might even be better to get a free. So I don't know. But you have to ima imagine it is a crime if Kane doesn't win anything of significance. And they have got a Carling Cup final. I'm sure everybody wakes up and wants to win that as a child. Spurs fans have got to do it. You know, we're going into the North London derby. We're probably going to hold corn. You lot won, we lost. i got to have the sly little digs. But you big up Harry Kane, man. He's doing his thing, people. Big up Bale as well. He's doing what he needs to do. Bale has actually scored in each of his last three home appearances in all comps. That's the first time he's did so since he played for Real Madrid, actually, people. Bale's actually got four goals in his first 16 games for Spurs this season in all comps. Um, and in his last six games is actually where it's all at, people. He's got five in his last six, so maybe he's fully fit now. He's over them injury problems. The confidence is back, feeling important, you know. It's a shame because I feel Bale would get an extra boost if the fans were there on top of this happening as well, even when he, when he wasn't actually finding this sort of purple patch and whatnot. So it is what it is in that regards, people. If I quickly... Not if my if the tab doesn't open. If I quickly run through the results again. So once again, people, Chelsea 2, Everton nil, West Ham 2, Leeds nil, West Bromwich Albion nil, um, Newcastle nil, Liverpool nil, Fulham 1, Manchester City nil, Manchester United 2, Tottenham Hotspur, Spurs 4, Crystal Palace 1, Burnley 1, Arsenal 1, Sheffield United nil, Southampton 2, Aston Villa nil, Wolves nil, Brighton one, Leicester two. Now again, there is it's a it's a jam packed week for football people, and make sure you're all following me across YouTube because I did the Chelsea versus Everton watch along today. I'll be doing Borussia Dortmund versus Seville tomorrow. It will be PSG versus Barcelona Thursday. Obviously, it's Arsenal in the Europa League against Olympiacos. So make sure you're paying attention to that one there, people. But moving away from that, and if we look at the fixtures to come, because there is a couple of games this week, um, again... We'll talk more about Newcastle versus Villa on Friday because Friday will be the next edition of the Deluded Podcast. Make sure you're aware of that. But nonetheless, Newcastle play Aston Villa. Um, tomorrow, we actually see Manchester City play against Southampton. I'm keen to see what happens there. The last time they played at St Mary's, you know, I think City only won 1-0. John Stone scored, but it was a closer game. And Che Adams missed the sitter. So maybe, you know, he'll have something to say in that regards, people. You know, it's also Champions League and, and, and Europa League business this weekend as well. well. I say this weekend, this week, you know, Porto versus Juventus. Juventus are at home. They need to overturn that 2-1 um, deficit. They have got a vital away goal. You know, all of a sudden, if Juventus score one, all of a sudden they're going through such is the mess of this. But again, Porto score, they complicate things. And reality is, when I've ever watched Juventus, they're making games 10 times harder than it needs to be. Personally, I think they need to sack Perlo. But what do I know? When you look at it, people, FC Porto are winless in their previous 13 away games in the UEFA Champions League knockout stages, losing nine and drawing four. You'd have to go back to 2003-04 um, and the semi-final against Deportivo. Um, Juventus have been eliminated from five of their last six knockout ties when losing the first leg. The last time there was an exception to this, people, um, was when they overturned it against Atletico people. Um but on the positive side, at home, Juventus have only lost two of their last 12 home games in knockout stages of the competition, people. However, though, those two defeats have come within the last previous three seasons. So make of that what you will. 
Juventus have won their two home UEFA Champions League matches against poor old old people, winning in 2001 and 2017. So that's going to be an interesting one. And that's also today. The one that I will be covering on my YouTube channel, you know, it's 3-2 at the halftime interval, really, in the free against Borussia Dortmund versus Seville. You know, Seville, if they score, they complicate things. But again, you know, they're chasing away goals. Um, Dortmund are at home. I hope it's the same as the first leg where there's a lot of goals. Personally, I think it'd be a different game because there's a lot of you know factors to now consider in this 90 minutes it's, it's now do or not do or die it's almost a final sort of thing um Borussia Dortmund only previous home match um victory against um home match against Seville was in the 20 2010-11 UEFA um UEFA Europa League group stage they lost 1-0 Seville have lost three of their last four Champions League matches against German sides people Dortmund are unbeaten in their last seven home games in the Champions League. Seville have won their previous two away games in the UEFA Champions League. Should Borussia Dortmund avoid defeat, they'll qualify for the quarterfinal for the first time since 2016-17 when they did so on the current boss at Chelsea, Thomas Tuchel. You know, PSG versus Barcelona, you know, apparently Moise Keane's missing out. Sadly, he's contracted or better yet, tested positive for COVID. Um, there's a lot of will Neymar, won't Neymar, I don't know. Boy, all I want to see is Kylian Mbappe put the final coffin in. You know, they smoked them at New, at New Camp. You know, again, we've seen Barcelona come back ironically against PSG. I'm all for it because it will make for a good watch along for me. But I think Pochettino and them and they have done their job. They're going through to the next round. But it is still only the halfway tight. You know, they've got four away goals as well. You know, Barca are going to have to do the most. Um it is what it is, and that's the. It's gonna be an interesting one, people. It's gonna. It's gonna be an interesting one. PSG have netted at least once in each of their last twenty-two Champions League games at home, people, where they've got sixty-one goals. So again, even if somehow Barcelona did come back, you'd probably back PSG to score. PSG have actually won two of their last three games against Barcelona in the UEFA Champions League. In the history of the cup of, of the European Cup slash Champions League, no team has ever progressed from a knockout tie over two legs after losing the first leg at home by a margin of three goals. This will also be the first Champions League game between the two sides to take place at PSG's home pitch, obviously since 2017, when obviously there was a 4-0 victory. make of that what you will so it's going to be interesting with the Champions League obviously you've also got Liverpool versus Leipzig now Liverpool have a 2-0 lead you know two players in Shebitsa and Opomakarno who are linked with other clubs you know Opomakarno is a Munich player Shebitsa is linked with us and Spurs they handed the, they handed those goals to Liverpool and again the way Liverpool are playing domestically Leipzig should back themselves to go to Anfield or I know it's not at Anfield but you get the point um and get two goals and complicate things, people. It'll be, you know, I'm keen to see what happens. You know, Liverpool have never been eliminated from a knockout tie after winning away from home in the first leg. So make of that what you will. It's due to be interesting. And then obviously next week, you know, we'll cover it again. But then you've obviously, you know, you've obviously got the... Next week, you've obviously got Real Madrid and Atlanta, City and Gladbach, um, Bayern Munich and Lazio, and obviously Chelsea and Atletico. So it's an, it's an interesting one where the Champions League and Premier League is concerned. Um, as I said, it's Europa League competition. You know, it's sad to see. Allegedly, Ibrahimovic won't be involved in the first leg of Manchester United against AC Milan, but that's from... 555 kickoff as you lot know people so you've got Juventus against Milan you've got Dynamo Kiev against Una Emery's Villarreal 
Ajax against Young Boys, Slavia against newly, well, better yet, well, might as well be official champions, um, Scottish champions in Rangers and Steven Gerrard. You've got Olympiacos at home, Arsenal away. We need to get away goals. Arteta, you said you learnt your mistakes. We've learnt our mistakes from Olympiacos um, in the build-up to the Benfica game. Didn't see that. Now you've got a chance to show it to me. Um, Granada playing Maldar. Then obviously, you know, you've got Spurs against Dynamo Zagreb. I'm sure Luka Modric will be watching that game. You've got Roma against Shakhtar Donetsk, which for me is going to be an interesting one as well, people. So football all day, every day. If we move into other news, people, sadly, Tariq Lampety, who's gaining a lot of plaudits by his manager, and apparently his manager said he was going to see a, a doctor to deal with his hamstring. He's been ruled out for the remainder of the season following surgery to repair his hamstring, people. So the 20-year-old who has signed a new deal to keep him at Brighton until 2025 won't be featuring people. So it's mainly just to fix a tear in his tendon and focus for next year. And at 20 years of age, it's a bit of pill to swallow. But again, it's better to nip these things in the bud than let it keep playing on your career. Better it happen at 20 than at 27. Um, there's always a silver lining. And I think it's harsh because obviously with the Euros, the more England players are playing, the more they have a chance. Like maybe James Justin, with it being March and international qualifiers, if it, the Leicester right back might have got a look in. But sadly, he's out for the rest of the season. Um West Ham captain Mark Noble has agreed a new one-year deal with the club and he's at that phase now where he's more just seen as a leader and a rotation option. He's not really a main starter. Um, his contract was ex due to expire at the end of the season, but he's staying. He's only played 304 minutes across 14 league appearances this season. His last start was in the 3-0 defeat in December against Chelsea. Danny Ying speaking of potentially getting called up for England. He'll be out for around three weeks and will not return until after the international break. His manager, Hassan Hutu, has revealed. As you lot know, Ings had to be substituted in the 12th, 13th minute, I believe, due to his gro a growing problem on Saturday um, in Southampton's win. That obviously means he'll miss, you know, a coast-to-coast a, a -coast derby in the FA Cup against Bournemouth. He'll miss a game against Burnley and he'll miss, obviously, the Manchester City game, people. Um, so, yeah, in case you've missed it, um, Jean, Jean Laporte, well, better yet, the, the in case you missed it segment I've been introducing, people, just a bit of news from around the globe or whatever. Um, Jean Laporte has been elected the 40, as the 42nd president of Barcelona as you lot know elections took place on Sunday um and he won he'll be at the helm until 2026 people and you know he'll have to help rebuild Barcelona and prepare for the eventuality of Messi leaving this year or Messi obviously leaving one year people um so yeah he's won it apparently he had 57 percent of the votes um at the halfway mark people so he did what he needed to do um so keen to see how that one there affects everybody i'm sure you've all seen that the format of the champions league after 2024 will be decided in the next few weeks according to the european club association president andrea Anginelli, the juventus guy who he, the guy who runs juventus um you know he said they'll back the swiss model um he's described it as it being beautiful um he pardon me he actually said i would dearly hope that everything will be done in the next few weeks there are a couple of details that need to be addressed one being the access to the competition how the extra four extra spots will be allocated he also went on to say but i would say that within a couple of weeks everything should be sorted if you're wondering exactly what the swiss model is people it is a new format for the champions league after this current cycle when it ends obviously in 2024 
34. Obviously, right now, you know, the, it would mean the 32 group stage we currently see is replaced by a 36 Swiss model league in which each team will play 10 games, five at home, five away. So what do you see by this? This is terrible for the manager because it, for a manager because and clubs because if this Super League, once again, this Super League starts, if I'm, you know, let's just say I'm City, we're somehow in this Super League, we're in the Champions League, we're in every other domestic cup competition, including fight for the league. First and foremost, which takes more credibility? Because is it the Champions League? Because it is for me, historically, Champions League is the biggest club competition in the world, definitely in Europe. But then this new one, you know, does that take more precedent? How do you specify them? Again, the fixture calendar. If you are competing in both and and challenging for the league and let's just say you've won the Champions League, people. So that means you, you've got to play World Club Cup Championship. You've still got to compete in the following year's edition. So this is the following season from winning the Champions Let's say Bayern Munich this year, people, you know, and this was introduced. They'd have to play the World Club Cup, you know, they have to compete in the league. They still have to compete for domestics, you know. It's, it's, it's atrocious. And also, how how are you going to fa factor in this? You know, the games are coming fast. You know, three games in 10 days, twice a week. How are you going to factor in this? This is going to harm squads. This is going to raise fatigue and stuff like that. And when you add this in, you know, however much games this adds to a footballer's lifespan in a, in a season, and then you've obviously got the, the, the huge amount of internationals being played. Well, this isn't, play this isn't being introduced for the credibility of the league to make it more in accessible. This is for money. You know, I see, you lot see more games. I see more games, more marketing, more tickets, more of these things, more TV rights and things like that. And there's probably ways they'll manipulate the broadcast TV rights and things like that. I don't agree with this, but I'm sure people didn't agree with many things that I come to love. So we'll have to see people. The fixtures will be based on seed, on seedings and the teams will be ranked from 1 to 36. The top eight will advance automatically to a 16 knockout tie and the next 16 teams will go into a playoff round to decide the final eight spots so again you know the only benefit is top t european teams will play each other a bit more which obviously more marketing but again this just screams bias to the big clubs and again if you're one of these teams that are in this anyways where you have to play 10 games five at home five away and you don't qualify automatically, you have to play in a playoff round. So add that already into what you're already thinking about of a season. This is going to, you know, squads are going to have to get bigger, you know. And, and I'm keen to see what happens in that regards. But that's what it is in that regards, people. After 2024, we should see something along those lines. Um, moving away from that, former Atletico Madrid and Chelsea striker Diego Costa has been offered a three million per year contract at Benfica, people. He's currently looking out for a new club. He obviously tore up his contract with Atletico in December, so that could be a good little outing for him, people. Um, in case you obviously saw it, haven't seen it, UEFA have actually suspended the Romanian fourth official um, until the end of the season, um, Sebastian Kosilu, um, over his involvement in the sending off of, of Webo, um, the Istanbul assistant coach, as we all remember PSG versus Istanbul. We all remember the unsavoury moments that happened, people, and he's allegedly... Uh, accused of muttering the word you know negro which is romanian for black apparently he's been ordered to attend an educational program before the 30th of, of june this year apparently the assistant referee was also reprimanded for his role on the night and ordered to also attend such before the same date apparently the pair were found guilty of violating article 11 of the away for disciplinary regulations this deals with the principles of conduct and focuses on breaches um, such as those which bring the game into the 
dispute. Um, apparently, they also violated Article 6, um, which which relate, relates in asking referees to behave in a professional and appropriate manner. However, interestingly enough, people, you know, the UEFA's disciplinary case is not on the grounds of racial behaviour. So it's more in how they've acted in the, the incident itself and not what's alleged to have had been said or hasn't been said. So that tells you where we're at, isn't it, people? They'll be back doing nonsense. But anyways, people, and I'm sure you've all seen, you know, Steven Gerrard has lifted the league title with Rangers. And I think their next game is against Celtic and an opportunity to rub it in Celtic's face. Rangers have won their first Scottish Premiership title in 10 years. Last so they did, last time they did so was in 2010-11 under Walter Smith people. So yeah, shout out to Gerrard for helping his team get their 55th title in the Scottish top flight people. And they've now got, they've now got the most by any side even more, you know, Celtic only have 51 they've got 55 so further ground obviously I think former Arsenal player Glenn Kamara is in the Rangers squad so shout out to him for you know leaving Arsenal setting down roots at Dundee and obviously doing his thing at Rangers um so yeah congratulations to Gerard but yeah people that's all I've got to speak about from my point of view in terms of the Premier League, Champions League, Europa League and other talking points I've spoken on people. I'll be back on Friday for another edition as we speak about all the action we've seen this week of course and any other talking points that pop up in the week as well as previewing the weekend. Obviously if you're not bored of me already head over to my YouTube and check out the rest of the, the content. Like I said Borussia Dortmund versus Seville live stream to come today people. On that note nothing more to say so i'm gonna get out of it it's been very appreciative having you guys listening with me you know it means a lot that you look forward to seeing the podcast and and listening and all of those sort of things so i appreciate all your support across all my endeavors and yeah man i hope you all have a great week or continue to have a great week i hope you will achieve your goals and things like that hope to all have you back for another edition of the dg podcast please don't forget to um you know spread the, the word tell your friends tell a friend you know do what you can to drive the engagements hit the follow button head over to the youtube hit the subscribe button make sure you're following me on clubhouse instagram twitter and the rest of it deluded guna 04 once again check out the description of this podcast all information is there do not be lazy more importantly than that though people please stay in good spirits please stay in good health and i'll be back again to chop it up and talk football with you lot soon on that note though thank you for listening to the dg podcast people dg i'm out god bless